Hey, hey, and welcome to Cutting On Action. Uh, this week, I finally had the chance to sit down and talk with my business partner and one of my best friends, Justin Howe. Uh, Justin is absolutely my closest collaborator in the film industry. He's been the DP for almost every project I've ever worked on. He's really well-traveled, highly experienced, and easily the more talented half of Voco Films, the production company we co-own together. Justin is a pragmatist at heart, and you're really going to hear that come out during our discussion. We touch on things ranging from a few tips on networking at the start of your career to the importance of remaining um, a student well into your career. And of course, we talk about his approach to cinematography and working with other filmmakers and things like that. Justin is just really full of wisdom and humility and above all, very tangible advice, very practical advice that you can take with you wherever you go. So I'm excited for you all to uh, get a chance to hear from him. So without further ado, introducing Justin Howe. All right. So Justin, thanks for jumping on with me this week. I think that, uh, I say this a lot, but I feel like this is very true of us. We could probably talk for like four hours about this stuff and we would probably say a lot of nothing at the same time of <laughs> saying a lot of words, but still, I, I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. So yeah, man, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for jumping in with me. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, man. For sure. All right. Well, hey, let's start uh, this way since I obviously I know you very well, but um, I I don't think that many of my other listeners will. So why don't you just give me the Justin House story, man? Tell us about kind of where you came from, how you got into film and where you're at now. So (laughs) so I was born in a really small town in northeast Oklahoma, and that's where I grew up. Um, I didn't really know a lot about film other than I liked watching them. As a kid, I was really into Star Wars, Jurassic Park, just kind of the classics of that era when I was, when I was younger. Um, and then the interesting thing about living in a small town is that you find things to do. You got to find ways to occupy your time. And so around like middle school, I got into YouTube and as many of us did. I made a lot of bad videos with my friends and that kind of planted the seeds for me to go on and take it a little more seriously. But yeah, the very humble beginnings. I had a, one of the OG flip camcorders that we would make kind of home movies with. And, uh, I'm sure plenty of those are buried on YouTube somewhere. I'm not going to tell you how to find them, but you probably could if you tried hard enough. Um, So those were so those were the humble beginnings, and uh, I just continued doing that through high school, uh, making videos with my friends. Um, we just get together on a on a weekend, and that's kind of what we do. Um, and then I remember kind of midway through high school, thinking, you know, this this could be a career path, or this could be something that you know I do for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't have a lot of access to read resources because, you know, I was in a small town. Um, but then a good friend of mine told me about a college that was close by, uh, John Brown university. And so as a senior, I applied and I did in my portfolio and happened to get some pretty good scholarships. So I decided to go to, to film school there. Um, and I went there and I think it was my junior year. That's actually when I met you. <laughs> so we had a, had a uh, graphic design class together, as I remember, and 
we sat together most of the semester right next to each other. And I remember one day just, <laughs> we had made some logo for a brand and, and you had made one for, I believe your wedding films. And so I just remember leaning over and going, Hey, you do weddings. Yeah. I had done one or two <laughs> at that point, And I was trying to act like I had done a lot more. And uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> as I recall, you asked me to, to come do one with you a, a few months later. And I guess the rest is history. Um, that's how we met. And I started doing weddings. Um, during film school, I just took every opportunity I could to get on set. Um, I DP'd a couple different student films, directed when I could, and then just was out there kind of pounding the pavement, trying to find other people more experienced than me that I could work with and learn from. Interesting is I've probably most of my big connections and all the cool things that have happened have either started with a, a cold email or just me just reaching out to somebody. Um, so I, I, that's something I'm a big proponent of is just getting your name out there and trying to talk to people that, that you think you could help out and learn from. And so uh, that's what I did. That's how I got started. Yeah, man. No, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, it's interesting too. I want to, I do want to add this in here that I think we sat next to each other and that's that graphic design class for like 80% of the semester without ever saying anything to each other <laughs> for some reason. I think we were just both awkward. <laughs> we're both fairly introverted people and, you know, it's not uncommon that we could have a five hour car ride with, you know, 15 minutes of conversation. So that's true. <laughs> it just makes sense. Um, but you know, it was, it was really cool. And I think we started doing some class projects together after that and, you know, weddings. And then we started working on some small commercial pieces eventually. And it was just a very natural progression to our collaboration and our relationship. So it, it was cool. Um, after JBU, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I had interned at a couple, uh, production companies in the Northwest Arkansas area while I was still in school. And I had built some really good relationships and a lot from those people. Yep. And one of those agencies offered me a job, full-time job after I graduated. Um, so I went to work at an agency that's now called Prisma. And I worked with some amazing people there, worked under another amazing cinematographer who's a really close friend of mine now. And I worked there for about a year and just soaked up everything I can, learned as much as possible. Um, and then after that year, due to some, just some personal things that were going on and some family issues, I decided to, to step away just to free up some of my time to be with my family. And that kind of coincided with the natural start to my freelance career. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, on top of that, my, my few, very few listeners at this time do know that we, we co-own a production company. So I've, I've given them the spiel a little bit, especially if you're in the, um, photographic collective Facebook group that, you know, uh, we have a Voco films and, you know, we're a very small production company. We do commercials and we're trying to dabble more into the short films and documentary thing. Then we've done some music videos and all of that stuff. Um, so I think, I mean, I guess it's a natural first uh, topic to touch on is Evoco. Justin is the more handsome, more talented half of Evoco films. I'm, <laughs> I'm just the loud mouth that talks about us online basically. But um, 
Yeah. So man, tell us a little bit about that kind of from your perspective, because, and and I want to ask this particular question as it pertains as well. I feel like there's not a lot of real DP oriented people who own production companies and also like we're friends and we were friends long before we really worked together. Right. And so kind of let me in on your thoughts on that, because people always say, number one, never go into business with your friends. And number two, you know, you're, you're a director of photography, but, um, you know, I, I would love for you to also touch on like the flexibility you still have to freelance and, and whatnot and why that's important too. Cause it is. And, and that's why we don't have any weird exclusivity with working with Evoco. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. A uh, lot to dive into. Um, I guess I'll start with sort of how we decided to start Evoco because I think that might answer a lot of the questions. Um, so, you know, you and I have always worked together. Um, ever since we met, essentially, we've been doing all kinds of projects together. And so I think what happened was a very natural progression uh, towards the start of our business. You know, we weren't just sitting down every day thinking, let's start something. It was more like we were doing all of these projects together. And then it was more of a, you know, it'd be really nice if we had the proper channels to run these through, you know, the proper support and the infrastructure to do these projects well. So I think it happened very naturally. Um, And in regards to being a director of photography, who also co-owns a production company that is, that is a little bit rare. um, For me, what it's allowed me to do um, is I think sort of jumpstart my career and um, skip over some of the slower, you know, beginning times because, you know, what I get to do is produce the work and then hire myself to DP it. So on, on most of our jobs, I I'm functioning in multiple roles, you know, up until the day we co-produce and then I get to hire myself. And I'm sure at the beginning we were able to hire ourselves for jobs that other people wouldn't have hired us for. And so it allowed us to kind of skip over some of those awkward beginnings and get some solid work under our belt. You know, me as a director of photography, you as a director. And so that's something I might suggest to other people. You know, if you want a DP, if you want to direct and you're having trouble getting work, go produce the work that you want to do and hire yourself to do it. Now it comes with a trade-off because if you're not, if you don't have a bent, like a, let me, let me say that. Um, if your natural inclination isn't towards producing and logistical things, it, it can be difficult. Fortunately, both you and I, we're, that's kind of in our wheelhouse. We're both very practical people. I'm very pragmatic. Um, so I feel like that's something I enjoy, not something I want to do forever. Um, but it's really nice to kind of get to wear multiple hats on a project. You know, there's always a point. It's like closer to the shoot. I really have to like put on a different hat and be like, all right, I'm the DP now. Right. You know, we've done, we've done as much, you know, pre-pro as we can. Um, so I think Evoco just happened really naturally out of our, our uh, working relationship and out of realizing that, Hey, if we, if we start this thing together, this is, this is an avenue for us to work together, but this is also an avenue for us to accelerate our growth in our separate careers. And then I also think, you know, the lack of exclusivity we have is really important. You need to go work with other DPs so you can learn from them. I need to go work with other directors so I can learn from them. 
and we cross pollinate. We re- we bring that back when we work together, and I think it strengthens our creative relationship. Um, but also, I have a lot of other really talented friends, and you do as well. And we want to be able to work with, you know, all the people we like. And I don't feel like I, f- I feel like uh, exclusivity in the film industry is usually contrived and never really works well. So uh, I would rather be someone who's collaborative and can work with, you know, people I like and people I want to work with. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for me doing this stuff is like, I really got into film because it's, well, I'm a creative person naturally, but also it's something that, you know, I have, I have like a strong athletic background and and it's very team oriented, but you know, I want to, in the same way that you want to play, on a sports team with your teammates and be more than just teammates, be friends too, and hang out and spend time together. Like I view film as the same thing. It's the same concept. I want to not only just work with you guys and make great work, but I want to develop friendships and bonds that even go beyond that. Because honestly, like my favorite projects that I've ever done are the ones that my friends are on it with me. And my least favorite projects are the ones typically where I'm like really awkward and I don't know everybody or I may not know anybody and I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of there to do a job and leave and collect the check at the end of the week. And, you know, like sometimes that's what you've got to do, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I always want to be doing that. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciative of what we've started to build with Evoco and, you know, we're, we're only a couple of years in, but like you said too, I think it's really jump-started our careers because like, for perspective for people that aren't us uh like what was it three years ago our biggest budget project was like three thousand dollars and we shot for like six days (laughs) yeah at like you know at like a dozen locations and we had no lights and we had no nothing and i think i paid Mm -hmm. you like five dollars at the end of that (laughs) and yeah uh, but but by doing this, we've been able to legitimize ourselves more so in a way that maybe some of its perception and and also I would I would probably chalk some of it up to people uh, being willing to take a calculated risk on us and give us a shot. But we have been able to jumpstart our careers and now work on projects and meet people that, frankly, I think would have taken us years to be able to get to, and 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 it would have been a grind. Not that it's not, but it would have been a lot more difficult. And I, and I will say this, there's another aspect to that too. And you and I have talked about this a lot and I'm not sure I'm definitely going to rip this off from somebody cause I did not think of this, but <laughs> the concept is if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Yes. And so I think by doing that, we've essentially doubled our creative networks, doubled our personal networks. And there are times I rely on you and there are times <laughs> you rely on me and we, we propel each other forward. Um, now you don't necessarily have to have a company to do that, but I feel like we've definitely benefited from that. So, I mean, one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give is find your people, invest in your people, um, and just build those relationships as early as you can, because those are going to be your biggest assets. Um, the people, you know, um, I think, that's one of the hardest things to do um, because it doesn't involve a lot of just reaching out to people and it can feel awkward at first, but I think it's all about how you approach it. So when I, when I reach out to somebody, you know, there is all, of course, you know, 
usually a relationship I'm wanting to build there for a reason, but I try and do it through the lens of how can I be helpful to this person? And if you can add value to someone else, it becomes a symbiotic relationship. So I think that's really helpful is identify the ways that you as a creative add value to the people you collaborate with. And then that that's value you can add to people you haven't met yet. Um, and it just really speeds up the time it takes for you to grow your creative network. That's something I've really tried to do. And a big thing that I try to bring to all of my projects um, is creative equity. So not every project is the sexiest, flashiest, <laughs> highest budget project you will ever do. But if you can still approach every project you do from the mindset of how can I make this the best that it can be? How can I, you know, uh, give 100% of my effort to this project, I believe that pays dividends in your growth. I totally agree. And I think that um, something that you're getting to there, something that you're alluding to is the fact that, you know, from, from the outside looking in, I think it's easy for people who don't know what we do Actually, I, I can go ahead and speak from experience on this. I have friends who have no idea what it is that I do day to day, what my job is. I say I'm on set. They're like, I don't even know what that means. Like, And I think from the outside looking in, it can look like it's just sunshine and rainbows all the time. Like we're just having the time of our life playing with cameras and you know, making up s- some fun stuff to go out and make art with and make and shoot and make these commercials or whatever. And I have friends that think I'm just some jet setter traveling around doing all this fun stuff. But in reality, everything that you said is, is like, we're in the mud together mm-hmm. all the time. Like this is not easy to do. It certainly helps that we have, like you said earlier, a, a producer streak in us that we, not only are passionate about the individual roles we have like on the day of the shoot, but we also are, and this is like, I would say this is probably more rare, especially to have two people working together that both have that tilt um, and complementary skill sets. But it's more rare, I think, to be not only a director, wannabe director, but also be able to produce and also be a DP and also be able to produce. That's rare. And frankly, it, it, it's most people are just either producers or DPs. Right. And so mm-hmm. going to what you said, like you got to surround yourself with people who do have different skill sets than, than you. And I'll say like, that's something I think has also elevated us is, um, you have a lot more, I would say traditional production experience than I have most of my production work has been stuff that I've kind of self-produced like for the most part. So hypothetically, you could say like of the two of us, you're, you're more experienced in those settings than I am. But I think that you going out and getting that experience, bringing that to the table with a voco that's helped me learn too on things like, okay, how do we need to conduct ourselves? Like what's the, what's the SOP standard operating procedure for stuff like this. And, you know, just finding out things like that on the flip side, like um, of the two of us, I'm probably the, the less introverted one. So I'm not afraid to I, like, I'll, I'll walk up to anybody and shake hands and introduce and plug and do what I need to do to get us that work. So I think we balance each other out well in those ways. Um, 
obviously we we're, we're, more, we're a lot more alike than we are different. Otherwise I don't think this would work, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I, I think you've hit on a lot of things I agree with. We, we have, uh, things we're similar in, but we also have complementary skill sets and where I'm more introverted and I keep to myself, you are, you are a kind of person that can walk in in the room and, and command everyone's attention. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like, <laughs> well, I mean, you do, I think you have a natural charisma. I think you have um, a really good way of relating to people and talking with them. And I, I do feel like, you know, that's another thing that's helped us a lot uh, kind of accelerate our growth. Uh, you know, at the same time, this has been a, a big learning process for both Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. So <laughs> I, my goal for today is not to talk about this from the, from the perspective of an expert, but rather from one of a student who just has to share what they've been through because I still don't know what we're doing sometimes. <laughs> no, um, not at all. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like, uh, having kind of an attitude of uh, humility and being humble also goes a long way uh, when you're meeting people and trying to build these relationships. I think something else that you and I both share uh, a passion for is like, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, Oh, it was hard for me. It needs to be hard for the next guy too. If anything, I'm more of the kind of person that's like, you know, I had to go through some, some crap uh, it would actually be better if the next person up behind me didn't have to deal with that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think it's been cool too, because as we've been able to learn like actively and on the fly, like we've been able to also bring people on who aren't as experienced as we are, not that we're anything special yet, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've been able to give some people younger than us or maybe younger career wise than us, the chance to come on set and, see how we do it, even if it's not the right way. I mean, it's a way it's a way (laughs) it's a way of doing things and they can decide whether they like that way or not. (laughs) Yes. But, um, but at the same time, like we've, we've gotten to work with people too, that are like very advanced, even beyond what, what probably we, uh, even fathom right now. And that's been great too. Like, it's just been, it's just been a really weird ride for us. I really, I'm like on a, on a nostalgia trip right now, thinking about how far we've come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. And I think that one of the, one of my favorite things about um, co-owning a Voco has been being able to create opportunities for other people. And I don't want to uh, gas myself up too much and act like we've been changing people's lives, but it does feel <laughs> good to, <laughs> It feels good to to have these projects and be able to hire people that I've worked with before, hire new people, work with my friends. That's one of the most rewarding things for me. Um, and that's something I'd like to touch on because one thing I've learned as I've gotten more experience both in and out of Avoco is that the job won't always love you back and yeah. the end result won't always love you back either. And so what you really need to do is you need to fall in love with the process. Um, you need to fall in love with the day-to-day, being on set, um, collaborating with your peers. And I think once you do that, um, the successes of your work and the end result, I mean, they it kind of comes naturally, mm-hmm. I feel. And, you know, you still have a project every now and then that's different or 
maybe not your favorite, but I think um, coming to everything, you know, with the mindset of how can I make this the best that it can be with what, with the resources that I have, and then just falling in love with the craft of filmmaking. And in, in, in our case, I feel like that's, what's going to give you creative satisfaction. And that's, what's going to set you up to succeed in the long run. I totally agree. I think too, that it's, as you were talking, I thought about this, like, you know, you talk about measuring progress. Like I can look back on projects we shot four or five, six years ago together. And I look at it and I'm like, what the hell were we doing? This looks terrible, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then, but then we, we you know, we, you and I will do this too. Like we'll sit back and we'll watch a project we produced last week and we'll be like, oh man, what the hell were we doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but because like, so how do you deal with the comparison thing of like, cause I, I'm a big, like, I like to compare myself to myself, right? Like yeah. where, where, where was I weeks, years, months, whatever ago, but I feel like it's, it's getting more, it, the, the more we get into this, honestly, it's, it's increasingly difficult for me not to look outside of that and not to be like, well, so-and-so is, you know, doing these big spots and they look like they were shot for a million bucks and blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you, how do you avoid that? And what do you think the pitfalls of that are? Well, um, I don't have a really great answer and that's something I still deal with as well. Um, I feel like that's, you know, social media is a double-edged sword. Uh, it can be a really great way to meet people and get inspiration for things you want to do and a really great way to network. Uh, the flip side of that is, you know, you're constantly seeing someone else's highlight reel. You're seeing the best things they're doing. And the one thing I've realized is as some of these people who I've followed and looked up for a long time have started to become my peers and I've gotten to work alongside of them, I realize they, they go through the same thing. And, you know, not every project makes the website, not every project makes the reel or the Instagram. So I feel like you, <laughs> you just have to remind yourself that the way you feel is probably how most other people are feeling. Um, <laughs> And you got to live with that tension. I, I will say if, if you want to be a creative, especially a freelancer, you, you have to learn to live in tension because you have a lot of freedom, but sometimes it can be really stressful when you don't know where your next job is coming from. And especially when you're not working and you got all that time to, to sit on your Instagram feed and just scroll and see what everyone else is doing, you can feel like, oh, am I ever going to work again? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's something I've had to deal with as far as ways to mitigate that. I would say, yeah, just remember that other people probably feel the same way and they're posting their best work um, and try and meet other people who are doing what you do. And I think the more you talk with them, you'll realize that, you know, most people feel the same way. Um, now in regards to what you were asking about, you know, com self comparison, I've kind of found that with most of my work, I have a period after I've done it where I just look at it. I'm like, that was shit. That looks bad. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? And then I just got to like step away from it because when you're watching it and you were the one who, who played a big creative part in it, what you're not seeing the product, you're seeing what the product could have been. You're yes. seeing what you saw in your mind's eye in pre-production. And that's important because, you know, if that's your goal, you should want the product to look as close to that as possible. That, you know, that's what we're trying to do. 
but it's not always going to. So I think give it some time, step away from it, come back to it with fresh eyes. It usually takes me, if I'm being honest, at least a year to like anything (laughs) I've done. (laughs) And I still see those problems, but I think I'm able to give myself more grace and I'm able to, to look at them constructively as here's what I would have done differently instead of just like, ah, why'd you do that? You know? (laughs) Right. I feel like, uh, be graceful with yourself and realize that in a lot of this, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong way to do things. And so you might put something out there that didn't quite work how you hoped it would, but other people may really like it. Um, there's a little bit of like magic that can happen sometimes with that. Um, I think it's good to compare yourself to your past self, but I also think, you know, we need to be, graceful to ourselves like you are to other people. And I'm my, I'm my own worst critic. So I'm really talking to myself right now. I, um, I relate, but, I relate to that 100%. <laughs> uh, but I, I, think, I think it's, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, I think what you're, what you're saying is a natural segue to a, something that I've, I wanted to ask you from the beginning of this is, um, tell me about like the, the cinematographers that inspire you and your approach to cinematography and like what you've drawn on because Mm -hmm. everything you just said, I know from working with you, but like, well, I won't spoil it. I want you to just tell me like you're saying that from a well-informed place. So, so break that down for us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as inspirations, um, of course, probably the first, like one of the heavy hitters that I learned about who inspired me a lot was, and you can probably guess it before I say it, Roger Deakins. And what, (laughs) what (laughs) drew me to his work was how it just sort of filled in the spaces in the story, but didn't call too much attention to itself. And so a lot of the work that I'm drawn to really kind of lives in that, uh, I would call it heightened naturalism. Um, where it's like, you know, this could be real, but it looks better than it did if you just showed up somewhere and started <laughs> filming without, without doing anything. Um, and any gaffers or grips who have worked with me in the past know that if I have an extra C stand, if I have an extra <laughs> light, we're going to, we're going to put that up. Um, so it's funny that the, the look that I'm chasing is often very, what I would consider naturalistic. Um, that doesn't mean it's natural to get there. Sometimes those looks take the most work because it's just a careful balance of, you know, the, the key light to the background to, you know, if you have like a, an edge light that it all has to blend perfectly. And so I think I find that stuff the most challenging and rewarding to do because that stuff people are used to seeing. And so if it looks a little off, people might not know why it looks off, but they can tell. I mean, like if you're doing a stylized music video, you can just, you can just make things purple because you want to, and (laughs) like, you don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to defend that. It's a stylist choice. But if, if you're doing a narrative piece and, and you're trying to support the story with the work you're doing, it's very calculated. And like, if you, if you're chasing naturalism, um, yeah, just a little thing being off. You can, you can feel it. You don't always know what it is, but it's just like, oh, that doesn't feel real. And so I think that's the, the style of work that I'm drawn to. And that's what I'm, I'm chasing. 
So yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. I think like going back to our conversation about finding people to work with that you co- that complement you know each other as well. I think you and I share a sensibility for for the the style of cinematography that we both like um, and the types of movies too that we both like. I think that inspire us. Like for instance, there's never been a movie that I've suggested that you watch that you haven't come back and like, that was an amazing movie <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and vice versa. And, but the, the nice thing too, about, you know, I've said this about a dozen times and I'm curious what you think about this. I've said this to other people about, about you, but I've loved working with you over the years because now when we show up to a job, it's like, we have a shorthand. Like I immediately, I feel like we walk into the room and see the same thing. And I immediately just know like, okay, Justin's going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. Like, this is what we got to do. And it's been really great. And um, maybe, maybe you can speak to this experience too. On the other end, I've worked with other people in the past and just like kind of slotted into that natural, like, all right, I know what he's going to do. And I like go to take a step and we like bump into each other. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? He's like, Oh, what are you doing here? You know, you just have that like little tripping over each other period where you're kind of feeling out somebody new or not new, but just new to you, like that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially as a director of photography, um, my goal is to serve the story and serve the director's vision. And, you know, obviously I think the better I know a director and the better I know their taste going into the project, it's just, there's less of that kind of initial fact finding I have to do to understand them. So with you, we've got that groundwork. We've got that foundation. I know what you like. I know what you think looks good. You know what I like. And most of the time it happens to be either the same thing or very close. Right. So I think that helps our relationship and that helps us on some of the projects where we have to produce because we don't have to spend all that time getting up to speed with like our tastes and, and things like that. And we just get, get right into the work on the flip side. You know, I've, I've worked with other people, um, other directors, and I, I still love that. I love getting to know um, what they like, what they think is good, uh, their sensibilities. And I feel like, both things are really good because when I get to go work with someone I've never worked with before, that stretches me, that pushes me in ways that I can bring stuff back to the table when you and I work together. Um, and I think it makes my work better. That being said, I, I, I know what you're, what you're uh, talking about there. It can be awkward. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, grace needs to be given on, on both sides of that, that relationship because it is a collaboration. But I think uh, that's where, you know, for me, ego doesn't really have a place in, in that kind of a working relationship um, that can really sink things quickly. So I think coming into any project open to the possibilities. Um, and I just approach everything thinking, you know, what can I learn from this project? What can I learn from this other person and how can I support their vision? And um, I, I try to do that with the work we do together as well, but it just, I think it's easy because we have, we skip those, you know, initial steps, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love everything you're saying and, and, and I know, you know, I agree. So, um, another thing I wanted to touch on with you too, is like, uh, filmmaking is an art of 
making the best project you can make with what you've got available. And you always have limitations. Like it just, even at the highest end of what we do, like the guys that push the limits, they have, they're pushing limits that exist, right? Like everybody has limitations. And so you kind of have to just do the best you can with what you've got when you've got it, um, essentially. Mm -hmm. But I think for, for me, what I'm always seeing in my mind's eye before we ever go into a project is like, what would this look like if I had a million dollars? Right. So (laughs) it's like, how do you, I don't know. How do you like, uh, process that logically in your head, knowing like I don't have a million dollars yet to do this thing. Right. But I want it to look like that. And it's like, man, that can be a really (laughs) tough place. Like, what do you, what do you do in those situations? Mm, That's a good question. I know what you're saying. It's like, you read the brief, you know, we're talking about a concept and in my mind's eye, yeah, I I see it as if it was done big budget, traditional Hollywood style. And then I, but I think, I think that's good. That's valuable because you're thinking about, you know, where, where you would go if you had unlimited resources and that's always a good place to start. And so you start dialing it back from there. Yep. Yep. (laughs) What are the elements of this vision that I can accomplish with what I do have? And so there's a little bit of, you have to be flexible. And I also think the more work you do, you start to know what's possible with the resources that you have. Um, I especially think if you're starting out, one way to mitigate this is, you know, if you're working on a short film project with some friends um, and you see it a certain way and you're not paying people and you don't have a tight schedule to stick to, just go be at the places you need to be when the light's good, you know, like let, let the environment do the work for you. Uh, So it's like, you know, when you're just starting out, you might not have all the time or sorry, you might not have all the money, but you've got more time. And as I've progressed in my career, one thing I've realized is that all the toys and, you know, everything we bring on to a high budget job don't necessarily make the work better. It just makes it repeatable and like foolproof. So when I bring in all these big lights, I might be doing something that the sun would do if we could be there, you know, at 4 PM, the sun's (laughs) going to be coming through this window and it's going to look exactly like we want to. The problem is for whatever reason, the client can't be there. Then the talent's not available. Then. So we have to go back and say, all right, how do we recreate that? But if you're just starting out, you know, you don't, you don't need all that stuff. You just need to plan carefully. Um, and so I think I bring a little bit of that into what we do. I try to marry the two. It's like, all right, we don't have everything in the world, but we have some things and let's just try and be here at the best time possible to have the most things going in our favor. It doesn't always work out, but I find that that just careful planning and knowing everything you need to get through on the day and then thinking through some of the more complicated things and putting those right at the time when they're going to look the best. That's a good way to elevate, you know, the quality of your work. Um, if you don't have the money, there's, there's really no shortcut for that. <laughs> no. It's just going to take some time. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think there's something to be learned from the projects where you don't have money. You know, you were referencing earlier, like when we started out, we had, you know, $3,000 budgets to produce 
you know, a little piece that we ended up shooting for a week. I, I believe we lit the entire thing with, you know, two or three C stands, uh, you know, a 200 watt incandescent light bulb and a China ball <laughs> yep. and a piece of foam and some <laughs> curtains we bought from, from Walmart. Yep. Um, and you're right, you know, we shot 12 locations over six days, but we were <laughs> in each location as close to the, like the best time as we could be. Yeah. But I, that's, that's where I learned stuff, you know? And if, if as a, as a creative, you're only able to, to, to do good work when you have just the perfect ideal conditions, you're not going to last very long because those <laughs> rarely happen. So I feel like you have to bring that into the work you do. And I think I bring that in, um, even to some of the higher budget work I do, some of my suggestions, I'm sure my gaffer saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? Why would we do that when we could do it, you know, this way that might be more efficient or might be, you know, like the industry standard, but you know, my background, I, I didn't always have everything I needed. So you have to get creative. You have to shitty rig some things and you have to, you know, just figure out how to work within the, you know, the, the box that you're in and, and make the best stuff. And as you grow up and as you get more experience, the box gets bigger, but uh, the work doesn't necessarily get better because of that. So I think, you know, if, if you don't have access to big budgets, you're not going to be able to walk onto a set and instantly know everything and, and be able to use those tools in the most efficient way. So don't trick yourself into thinking that you need the money to make good work. I think it's a natural progression. And, you know, humble beginnings can really help you lay the foundation to, to be able to make stuff when, you know, when something doesn't work on set, you know, when we have a, we have the budget to bring on a big light and then we put it up and we strike it and the bulb goes, Yep. you know, we've done, we've had moments like this before. And then I have to think back to what would I do, you know, three years ago when I didn't have any <laughs> of this stuff and that's what we do and it works. Yep. So yep. I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot to learn from, from that stage. And to be completely transparent, I still do projects kind of in both categories right now. I just did a project where I went out to California and we shot a kind of behind the scenes of an album recording with a good director friend of mine. And I lit the entire thing with a, like a aperture 300 X one, two foot tube. And I was really proud of the way it looked and we had next to nothing to do it with. And then, you know, two weeks before that, you and I were on a, a big budget commercial where we had a, a one ton g and &E package and, you know, yep. a gaffer and a key grip and another grip and, a, you know, the, the full support. And I think I learned from both of those things. So I want to keep doing both of those things. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think that, like you said at the beginning of this, like you're trying to approach this whole podcast discussion as like a student, but I feel like that's how you approach everything that you do is just, you're there to learn. And I've learned to, to be better about that because of you, but it's not always an easy thing to do because there are times where ego creeps in. It's like, well, I need to be the guy right now that just knows what's going on. And I, I'm telling you from experience, when you let that take over, like you immediately show your ass to everybody. And like, they know, they know that you don't know yeah. what you're talking about. It's actually like, it was it from experience. I've never been in a situation 
professionally speaking, where I got chastised or lit up because I said, I don't know what you're talking about, or I don't understand name. Like no, people want to help each other out on set. I mean, if they're worth, you know, if they're really true pros, in my opinion, like I'm not going to berate somebody for not knowing something like, how are they going to know if they've ever been taught? You know, that's, that's my perspective on it. And so, yeah, like I, I do even today, like when I'm directing these productions we do together, I still try to remember that I do not know everything. I know a little bit, but, uh, you know, there's no, there's no sense in me coming in trying to flex for, for what, like, I, I just feel like that's people see right through that, you know? And, um, I think something else you hit on too, that I wanted to just add to is, you know, you've talked about, you want to do both kinds of projects and something that I've learned as a, from a, from like a director's perspective of like when you, especially trying to write a script and produce your own script or produce your own commercial script or whatever it is, even as a director, it's really important to understand things uh, from a cinematographer's perspective because like how much of a pain in the butt would it be for you if I was just the kind of guy that's like, Hey, here's my script. I want to shoot it at this very specific location. And you're like, okay, that sounds good. It's really small. We're never going to get any enough natural light in. So it's going to be like, here's all the problems we're going to have to solve. Would you be open to this? And I was just like, no, like, you know, so I, what I've tried, what I've learned to do is like, okay, when I'm writing these scripts or coming up with these concepts for videos, uh, music videos or commercials is like, what I, what I usually do before you ever even get the script is like, I'll write it all down and then I'll go through it myself and think, what would Justin tell me is wrong with this? <laughs> or like, what, what's the problems he's going to present to me when I bring this to him? But, but I did not. And I say that like jokingly, but also not because it's like, okay, now I'm thinking critically even about my story because it's like, am I really doing the story justice by just trying to like, you know, come in and strong arm everybody into seeing it my way? And going back to the creative equity thing, it's like, no, I think it's better when, when you let those other voices in, because I've never, I've tried to, I've tried to do the thing where I'm like, no, this is my thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to have it my way. And that's that. And I've never loved those projects. I have never even revisited them because they're so bad. My best work is done when I know that I've seen your fingerprints on it, or I've seen someone else's you know voice come out in it. And I think that the best work gets done when it is a team oriented, um, you know, vision that gets executed. And as the director, it's like, I view my job, not, not only as the guy who's like carrying the vision forward, but I'm, I'm more so casting the vision. And then I'm asking everybody else to sort of interpret it and give it back to me in a way that's like, well, here's how we could do this and make it good or better. Yeah. I would be a fool not to listen, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I agree, but yet there are still people who don't. So that's one thing <laughs> I've always appreciated about working with you is, uh, you know, you, you really do create a, a space where, you know, the people you bring on can can come alive in that and, and do work that they're proud of. And, you know, I think those are the projects 
that I enjoyed the most are ones where, you know, I see my fingerprints on it, um, you know, when we're done. And I think another thing I'd like to touch on is, you know, whatever you want to do creatively, you don't need to know everything, but it helps to surround yourself with people who have skill sets that complement yours. So, you know, specifically for the work I do, I need to know enough to communicate with, you know, like the department heads under me to get the result that I want. But if I'm working with a really, really experienced gaffer, like I just got to recently um, on a commercial we did, I would be a fool not to listen to him. This, you know, <laughs> this particular person has probably a good 20 years on me and experience and has done probably just about anything I could think of. Um, and so that's one of my favorite things is when you get to that level, it's like, let those people guide you. And, you know, you, you never want it to feel like, Hey, I'm not contributing anything, but, um, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll kind of come in with an idea of how I'd like to do something and they might suggest, you know, a more efficient way to do it, a safer way to do it, a faster way to do it. Um, and man, I love that because I learned that I put that in my back pocket and then I take it to the next thing that I do. So if you don't take advantage of those opportunities to learn from the people you work with, you're only stunting your own growth in the long run. Well, and his approach to telling you that stuff too, though, wasn't to come in, you know, flexing and basically saying like, no, you moron, this is better. It was like, you know, he's like, okay, yeah, I see what you're going for. What if we did this with these tools? Like, how, how would you feel about that? And, and you're like, oh yeah, oh, that makes sense. You know, it's like that, that was sometimes, uh, it's better to speak softly even if you are carrying a big stick, it's like, you don't have to always use that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. And, and, th and this particular person was, was really great about that. Um, actually it's, it's Brian shout out film, Gil rentals and little rock. <laughs> he's the best. Yes. Um, he's fantastic. And, uh, uh, really enjoyed working with him, but yeah, I think, you know, there, there are also opportunities where, where, I'm in an environment where I might be doing something similar and yet I don't need to come in and strong arm how I would do it. You know, like if, if you have a way you want to do something, it's funny. I know you've told this to other people and I don't, I don't know if you've mentioned it here, but normally our uh, pre-production process is like, we get together and you're like, so this is what we want to do. And my first question is usually <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, but not because I not not because <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> Tell me that's not true. It's so true. <laughs> it's not because I don't think you're right. It's because I want to know how you got there, and and use what I can bring to the table to see if maybe there's a better approach that you haven't considered. And then my second question is, okay, how? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I'll say to though, to your credit, like it's I'm laughing so hard because there have been so many times where I'm like, hey, Justin, this is what I want to do. And you're like, why? And it gives me so much pause because I'm like, I never thought that far ahead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dang it, why did you have to do this to me? Not but, like why you're wrong, but like no, where no, are you yeah. coming? You know, like how 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 did you arrive there? Right. And you yes. know, like maybe there's something that you haven't considered 
that, Hey, we could do differently. Sometimes, sometimes no, the way, the way you thought we'd approach it is like exactly like I agree. And I think it's the same, but it's like, I, I want to know why. And I think that's, I'm a super practical, pragmatic person, sometimes to my detriment, but it's like, yeah, it's like, I want to understand where you're coming from, how you arrived there and how you plan on doing it. And then once I have all that stuff, my goal is not to get my way, but to help you accomplish it. But sometimes to do that, I need to know how you got there. Or sometimes what does happen with love, with love, this happens. I know it's all with love from you is you say (laughs) why. And I say, I don't know. It just feels good. It feels right. I can literally feel your eyes scratching the back of your head through the phone when I say that stuff and you're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> but Hey man, cool. that's, that's the complimentary skill sets. It's like <laughs> sometimes you're flying high and I got to bring you down, but I feel that's like right. we average out. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It's been working so far. Why change it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you get tired of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, not yet, buddy. You're stuck with me for a little while. That's funny. Yeah, man. Okay. So tell me this. I think, um, I just want to hear, like you touched on at the beginning and you are such a a pragmatist. I feel like everything we've talked about has been so practical and very applicable and that's great. I want you to unplug that part of your brain for one minute. And I just want to hear from you. I've never really asked you this, but like, what do you think what do you think filmmaking can 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 mean as an art form uh, in general? And what I mean by that is like, I have had movies that I've watched that really affect me like deeply, personally, in a way that I I even like reevaluate my life. I evaluate my the way I treat people or my my thoughts about you know a certain situation or just whatever it is. You know, there is so much power in what, in, in this medium, obviously when we're, you know, trying to sell fried chicken, like some of that goes out the window and that's fine, but that's not, that's not the work that we ultimately want to be, you know, our pinnacle. So as we chase down the, the narrative work that we want to do, like what inspires you about the art form of filmmaking um, more deeply than just, you know, making images for me, what's made film so powerful and impactful is that it's a marriage of so many different mediums. So, you know, you're, for, for me, it's, I, my, I have a background in music, you know, I'm a drummer. And so, you know, in film, you get to marry motion pictures, you know, in a, in a good movie, beautiful performances by really talented actors. Um, and then music and sound effects. So it's a marriage and it's, it's something that is universal. You know, you can watch a movie and really get pulled into another person's point of view and like their life experience without knowing that much about them. It's, I think one of the most effective tools that like we have as a, method of communication right now. And I, I do think it's sad that in a lot of the ways it's just, yeah, how can we sell more stuff, you know, um, and just how can we create content, 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 (laughs) you know, we're just throwing all that noise out there. But like, if you think about it, it is so, it can be so powerful. And, you know, I love going 
to the movie theater. I love watching movies there and I feel like it's just an experience and it captures me in a way that I really haven't found anything else that can. You know, one movie I just watched recently, I, I know, I think you've watched it as well, is um, The Daniels, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, yeah. Just an absolutely absurd concept and absurd visuals. <laughs> but the heart of the story is universal. It's something that 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 we can understand. Um, it's like what, what it means to be a human. and and all the different things that you go through in life and talks about generational trauma. And it's beautiful to me how something that on the surface level is crazy and absurd and it's all over the place can carry just like this loaded truth. And then it just hits you. And I cried in the movie. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that it's beautiful, <laughs> yeah, man. but I just, I think that film film can touch people in a way that, nothing else really can, or at least for me, it touches me in a way that nothing else does. And so I think the reason I want to make it is I want to be able to do that with other people. I want to be able to communicate my worldview and things that I find important to other people. Um, and I think that when you can do that, people, people feel that. And uh, that's what makes really good movies impactful. And I think to add even more to that, the thing that is amazing about movies is like, you know, everything everywhere all at once is it's a very universal, universally true subtext that exists. There is a very universally true subtext that exists in that movie. Um, but it is absurd. Like the way that they tell the story, you walk out and you're like, Oh wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but even movies that I feel like that, you know, are truly absurd. Like I'm talking like Nicholas Cage pig. That movie yeah. is crazy, but there are elements of the story that even though it's like absurd on its face, like what, like if you read the two sentence description on uh, wherever you stream it, you're like this guy and a pig, what? But then you yeah. watch the movie and you're like, wow, he's going through all this. Like there's something about these like <clears throat> subtextual themes that come out in movies that, even though you're like, this would never happen. I'm not talking about action movies or whatever. I'm talking about more naturalistic movies like that. Like, even though these would never happen, there's something here that's, that is true that we can all relate to. And I do, I think that's so special. And I think that I agree film for me, for sure. There's nothing else that, that t comes close to giving me that, that same feeling, man. I've, I've imagined myself doing any other, any number of other jobs, especially in the dry times, like you talked about earlier, where you're like, am I ever going to work again? Oh, I could be a, I could be an electrician <laughs> or whatever, you know, <laughs> you're like, but I still, I, I'm like, man, nothing, nothing will ever fulfill me more than when I make something that just stands out and somebody reaches out and is like, wow, I really love that. It really, it really meant something to me when I watched that. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, we made a short film a few years back uh, around Christmas time. And I still get people that see that for the first time and they just DM me on Instagram and be like, hey, I just watched your film. That was awesome. I'm like, oh, wow, thank you so much. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, there's, no, there's no better feeling. There's, there's some magic in it. 
And I think especially for me as someone who's worked in the industry for a few years now, um, I watch movies differently than I used to. And I think I also appreciate like the monumental effort it takes to get anything made. Even if it's bad, it takes so much work to make anything. And so I think you're just sitting there and you're just seeing it all come together. It's, it's, yeah, I don't really know how to describe it, but there's, there's some magic in it. Um, I, it's nostalgic for me. And I, I think kind of the childhood memories I have of watching movies, it's like, I want to create that for other people. I want to create those feelings of, of safety and nostalgia and movies don't always need to be safe. They can be provocative and they can be um, thought provoking, but I just think that there's an opportunity there to create a space for discussion, um, create a space um, where people can learn things that they wouldn't learn any other way. And so I think that's why I've always been drawn to the art form It's just, it's, it's really powerful. And it's, it's shaped me and I hope to make things that can do that for other people someday. You will. I'm sure. I have no doubt. I hope, I hope so. <laughs> you will. I have no doubt. One day we're all going to leave a movie theater having just watched a, a movie you, you did the cinematography for. I have no doubt. One day soon, I'm sure. Well, it will well I, I do appreciate uh, the kind words and I hope you're right. But you know what? Again, fall in love with the process. Even if I'm just making movies with my friends, like that's, that's enough for me, you know? Yeah, man. No, that's great. Dude. I think, I think that that puts a bow on everything we talked about perfectly. So man, thank you so much for, for doing the the podcast with me. I know it's not exactly, it, it's not, it's not your, always your cup of tea to, to be in the hot seat, but I really appreciate it. I, I think you did great. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that I, I don't really like talking about myself too much, but I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it helps that, that we know each other and we have oh, yeah. kind of, I probably wouldn't be on any other podcast. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I feel very honored. I feel very honored. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, uh, I hope that any of your listeners found something useful today, but the, I guess my main thing is like, um, yeah, I don't know everything. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Uh, this is just me sharing my experience. Um, but I hope some of it's helpful. Yeah, man. Hey, I say this every podcast episode, we're all in this together. I, I'm just sharing what I know. And, uh, if somebody has got a better way of doing it or knows better than me, you know, don't be shy. Just let me know. <laughs> I'm always down to here. So, yeah. man, I think this was great. And yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Help spread the word about Cutting On Action by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out our other PhotoCo show hosted by my friend, Miles Whitboyer, called the Photographic Collective Podcast. Cutting on Action is produced by Brandon Buccieri. Executive producer, Miles Whitboyer. Audio mixer, Jared Fincher. Cutting on Action is a Photographic Collective production. 